This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? Organization News Podcast. My name is Salman Ali, at Red Nation Oops on Twitter. You're joined by Forrest Walker, at Do Nots on Twitter. How you doing, man? Uh, pretty good. Little little waterlogged, but I think that goes for a lot of folks listening. Yeah, 4th of July edition of the podcast. If you hear fireworks in the background, just ignore them. Uh, also, our phones are next to us, so if any news breaks, we will talk about it right away. Um, we are four days into free agency. Agreements have been made. Watch bombs have been dropped. Contracts technically have been signed. Well, they haven't been signed yet, but they will be. Um, before we get into the Rockets, anything about this particular market that surprises you? Um. I don't know if it necessarily surprises me, but there is something that is very notable about it, which is that no one has any money. It's all dried up. The cap didn't go up very much as we kind of knew it would this time around. Uh, but the, we didn't know this is how it would be uh, in 2016 when that cap spike hit, really. So a lot of contracts were signed that year that ate up a lot of this money now. And basically every team worth going to is capped out. Uh, so it's been really weird for seeing who's going where for how much money, and I think it's distorting a lot of this. Yeah, I'll say this. I expected it to be a tight market, but I didn't think it would be this tight. Like, 29 out of 52 free agents signed one-year deals in the hopes of getting more money next year. That's insane to me. Yeah, everyone's assuming it's going to be a lot more money available next year. Maybe that's true, but we'll see. Well, the, uh, the cap does jump like $6 million or something like that, but I mean... The, the, this Unless idea it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, sure. Uh, but this idea that everybody that signed this one-year deal is going to get what they want, I think that's ludicrous. Like it, the free agency class is going to be even more – is, is going to be deeper next year. Yeah, it's just kicking the can down the road a little bit. Yeah, like I, I just – I mean, I don't know. Man, maybe maybe signing a one-year one deal is smart, but I mean – I, I, if I were, if it were me, I, I would sign the slightly worse offer that gives me more financial flexibility, uh, final financial security. But I don't know. That's just me. Um, all right, let's move on to the Rockets. Let's first cover the deals that they did sign, and then we'll move on to the rest. Hooray! Well, there's one deal they signed. The very first deal they signed. That one's straightforward. Yeah. Uh, so it was announced before midnight that Chris Paul agreed to a four-year, one hundred sixty million dollar contract. So basically, a four-year max with with your annual eight percent raises, no pl- no player or team option. How do we feel about this? Uh, I think it's a happy medium. Honestly, they're not going to pay him for that fifth year, and that's the year that's really going to hurt. Uh, he could have potentially pushed for a fifth year, but they gave him the max instead of the, the all five. This, I mean, this is pretty much exactly the deal that we were talking about, uh, like last pod that we wanted to see. So feels fine to me. Yeah, like. I'm going to call this a small victory for the Rockets. It's certainly not ideal. I'm sure if you're the Rockets internally, you would have preferred a two- or three-year deal, and Chris Paul likely would have preferred a five-year deal. But this is a decent compromise. Like, James Harden's in his prime right now, and the Rockets were a game away from the finals. 
That fourth year may be ugly, but you swallow it at the chance at winning a title in the next two or three years. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you want to keep him happy, and it seems like this is keeping him quite happy. He had his tweet right after that. It said, uh, unfinished business. So uh, as long as you got the team, the gang back together and going strong, that's all that really matters. They're going to be capped out in any event, so it doesn't really matter how much they give him, except that it makes you know harder on Tillman Fertitta's pocketbook. And theoretically, in a few years, maybe if they have shed some salary, it could be harder to get to cap space, but... That's a problem for four years away, Rockets. Uh, this year, Rockets needs Chris Paul on the same page. So, uh, yeah, I think this is a perfectly fine deal. That's probably the best you're going to get without uh, pissing off Chris Paul. Right. Another July 1st signing, Gerald, Agre- Gerald Green agreed to a minimum deal to remain in Houston. I like this deal a lot. The veterans minimum is a perfect deal for Gerald Green. He's shown he can contribute when called upon. He's perfectly fine with not playing some nights and at the same time playing major minutes in a playoff series if injuries force the situation. Hometown guy, the players seem to love him. Mike Antoni loves him. His energy is great. And I've never seen a city embrace a role player quicker than Gerald Green. Because well, he embraced the city a long time ago. He, he's, he's a native. Yeah, the uh, braids helped. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, I think it's a great deal as well. Uh, it makes their life a lot easier <laughs> not having to worry about if they're going to re-sign him or not or if someone else is going to sign him to a mid-level or something. Uh, he's just back on board. That's behind them, and they can just move on to the rest of the guys. Yeah, he's a really, it's a really solid signing. Um, and he's, you know, he might not play some nights, but he is a dependable dude to play on the nights you do play him because he does exactly what you want him to do, shoot threes, and he hits them at a high clip and... I mean, you know, his defense is suspect, but in the playoffs, I thought he was fine. You know, I thought he played very well in the playoffs. Um, gave yeah, his the defense is better than I expected in the playoffs. Yeah, like, he he was very good for what you expected of Gerald Green in the playoffs. Like, I, I thought he gave the Rockets solid minutes, especially when they came down with injuries. Yep. All right, uh, so, plus. Good stuff. Yeah, 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 good signing. So let's move on to 10-time All-Star Trevor Ariza, who signed a one-year... <laughs> $15 million deal with the Phoenix Suns on July 1st. I don't know how the Rockets can possibly recover from this, man. Like, I think at this point, you trade Chris Paul and James Harden, you tank, and you sell the team. Don't you agree? Man, okay, you're going to have to let go of this sooner or later. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it sucks. Uh, we don't know how much it sucks yet. That's kind of where I'm at. Uh, I guess he wanted to get that money, and now it's looking like that's actually a pretty big pile of money for this season, all things considered, for this offseason. So uh, good on Ariza for getting like one last payday. Uh, I'm not really sure why he needed to get that much of a payday instead of, you know, whatever, probably like, what, like $9 million or something deal they would have given to him. Um, it It sucks. They're losing production, and I think... You differ from most people on how much production you think they've lost. <laughs> okay, so listen, I was obviously joking about this. I've been joking about it all day and the past couple of days, to be honest. Trevor Ariza was a fine player, very professional, accepted his role quickly in his time here, and gave the Rockets four good years. But listen, like I said this on the last podcast, and I said this a few days before free agency, so this isn't sour grapes. Trevor Ariza is massively overrated by people who don't watch him every day like us. Like, he wasn't this all-NBA-level defender like some are making him out to be right now. He was fine. Like, you could, like he give him credit, he guarded 
the opponent opposing player's best player every night. And I mean, I guess you got to give him credit for that. But he was getting up there in age. He was declining athletically, and subsequently as a defender, he was a very streaky shooter. And the Rockets were due for an upgrade as starting small forward for a couple of years now, and we've talked about that on this very podcast. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's definitely getting older. We'll have to see if they... I guess the big question is, do they get that upgrade, right? If they if they bring in uh, a new def- defender for his position, and let me put a, a, a capitalization on that term, defender, uh, if they get the guy who can replace or even surpass Ariza's production, then fantastic. And that might not be as hard as a lot of people think it is. Uh, but if they don't end up getting anybody who can replace him, that's a, that's a huge problem. And it's just incomplete right now it's just kind of disappointing that he took off uh don't really understand why that happened but uh, i guess he wanted to get that paycheck yeah the reason losing him is unfortunate is because the rockets could have pretty much brought him back for just cash it it, it wouldn't have cost him any cap space it wouldn't have cost him an exception it would just be luxury tax pretty much so i think it's it's fair to raise your eyebrow at tillman Fertitta a little bit for not matching that contract but at the same time, this gives you an ex- excuse to upgrade and get younger at that position, which they desperately needed to do. And if Ariza wasn't going to start for you, there's no reason to give him $15 million for a one-year contract. That's fiscally irresponsible. Yeah, that's a lot of money this season. Uh, and presumably, they have some plan in place for how they're going to replace that uh, that production. But yeah. we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, like Ariza was fine. This is a loss in some ways. Like, the Rockets aren't done yet, and I imagine they're gonna, they're probably gonna try it hard to retain Luka Mute with their taxpayer mid-level exception. That's one of the questions I got. Um, what do you think the Rockets are gonna do with their taxpayer mid-level exception? I think they'll use that on Luka Mute, and he's, I mean, in my opinion, a much better defender than Trevor, Trevor Ezariza is right now. And he, granted, he's not as reliable as a shooter. Or health-wise, like he's not as reliable, but I think he's overall a better player and a much better option to use that you know taxpayer level exception on. Um, and the Rockets can obviously upgrade through trade, and that's pretty much that's how I see this playing out. I see the Rockets like all their wing options in the free agent market are drying up. Like Avery Bradley just got signed yesterday, and like you're you're seeing a lot of options dry up. And I think I think this gives the Rockets like an excuse to go after trades and possibly get rid of Ryan Anderson's contract in the process. Uh, you're gonna have to fork over some draft picks, but I mean, if you're gonna get a player like Kent Bazemore or maybe you know Nick Batum or or somebody of that caliber, you know, somebody who is on a team that doesn't necessarily need them right now, they're in a, they're headed in a different direction, and you know, could use a first rounder. You do it. You do it. That that's a, that's a deal you make, and I think that's a, that's a deal the rock. That's you know that those are some players the Rockets are probably looking into because as of right now, it doesn't look like they can rate, they can replace Ariza through the free agent market. It's looking a lot more like they're going to have to go go about this through trade. Uh, yeah, pretty much, and that like that kind of goes directly into Luka Schrodenbaumute, who has not been re-signed yet, and we'll know a lot more about their situation once we see some progress on that front as to whether he's going to return, and if so, for how much. Uh, the presumably, my, my guess would be that he's probably going to come back for a 
the mid-level exception. But it, if they're lucky, he won't take up the whole thing. Or if they're extraordinarily lucky, perhaps he just comes back for the non-bird tender, which would be 20% more than his salary last season. But uh, we'll yeah. find out soon enough. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what kind of contract he he wants. Um, I mean, it really it really depends on how dry this this market is. Huh? I mean, like it's it's looking like the Rockets can get their players back on pretty team friendly deals. The more time passes, the more teams use up cap space. I mean, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. So let's move on to Clint Capella. We haven't really heard. We much. have a signing we didn't talk about. Oh, what what signing? Oh, oh, yeah, you're right. You are right. <laughs> Michael Carter Williams agreed to the Rockets on a minimum contract. Um, this is puzzling to me. And listen, like at a minimum contract, I guess it really doesn't matter that much. It's just a roster spot and cash, pretty much. But I mean, like what we've seen from Michael Carter Williams doesn't gender much optimism. Like he is. Not that good of an NBA player. Very diplomatic of you to say. Yeah, I mean, like, listen, like, like, I was just joking around on Twitter earlier. Like, I, I he's twenty six years old. There's room to improve. It's a minimum contract. I'm not upset about it. Like, it's just fine. It's whatever. Um, I think I think the Rockets like they do this a lot. Like, they gamble on really athletic, lengthy dudes, and they and they put a lot of they put a lot of stock in their development program. And I think that's what they're doing here. I think they're gambling on them being able to develop Michael Carter-Williams better in their system and him being a better fit with the Rockets than any other team. I don't know. I mean, I mean, Michael Carter-Williams just frankly isn't that good. He, he is lengthy. Um, he has promised defensively. He's not good defensively yet. Um, it's, it's just a weird sign to me. It, it's, it's, I don't know. It, it, I, I, I don't really have much to say on this, honestly. Yeah, uh, my thought is kind of a him- like I so I want to expand on something uh for a minute which it, I think uh informs my thoughts on this which is that I kind of like and understand their order of operations that they're they're doing right now which is that I think it is probably better to uh sign the the minimum guys first uh because I think that's a market which isn't going to dry up everyone still will have minimums no matter what happens right yeah. Uh, so I think you want to get those guys that are going to take the minimums uh, as quickly as possible and grab them, uh, because the other guys who are waiting for a mid-level exception or a larger deal are going to find that fewer and fewer of those are available as time goes on. Uh, so I think they actually can afford to wait on those a little bit until their mid-level exception looks more appealing. Like that's that the value of their mid-level exception is only going to go up over time, uh, but the value of their uh, minimum deals is not. In fact, it's probably going to be the opposite as more guys get dropped down into having to accept that as the only way they're going to compete somewhere. Uh, so I get why they're doing this in this order. Uh, and then trades obviously don't have any time limit on them. So you can just kind of hang out and wait on those for a bit. Uh, but as has been noted, it's weird that this was the guy they want, wanted to go for. I and guess they just wanted to... They've, had interest, in, they've yeah. had interest in him for a while. So this isn't particularly surprising that they would finally get him this year. Yeah, uh, I guess it's because they like his physical tools and think they can teach him how to shoot. Uh, we'll see. I I don't mind this deal. I think it's fine. Yeah. Uh, I if it if it pans out, it's gonna make them look really smart. If it doesn't pan out, he's just not gonna play, and that's fine. Who cares? Uh, but 
yeah, I, it's weird, but this is, I guess, kind of the uh, their only player they've acquired so far who wasn't already a member of the team, which is very bizarre. <laughs> right, like, um, it's fine. Like, it's fine. That, that's that's all I can come come back to. It's a minimum deal. Like, it's it's. I I just think like the the Rockets do this a lot. They gamble on their own personnel to fix uh, shooting and stuff like that. Like they did this with KJ McDaniel's. Right, like, and and Daryl has a fixation with these type of guys. Like Nick Johnson is another guy like this. Like you know, combo guards who uh, show, can show promise to be uh, good defensively, but aren't there yet. And like, this is one of those signings where I think they're betting on their organizational culture and their organizational development. And guys like John Lucas and, and their, their development guys, I think I think that's what they're pretty much betting on. It's fine. It's fine. It's not. It's not a huge deal to me. I, I I didn't care that much, honestly. It was just disappointing that that was the watch bomb we got on July second. Like that was, like like we were expecting something much more significant at um, like at that time, and we just got MCW, and it was just the most. It was the most lukewarm watch bomb I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, yeah I feel like he's gonna be the next Terrence Williams. <laughs> right. Right. Like it's. It's it's whatever. It's it's fine. It's fine. Um, so let's move on to Clint Capella. We haven't heard much about Capella other than he met with the Rockets and the Lakers on July 1st in Los Angeles. Uh, and he tweeted a sad face emoji. We know that. Uh, other than that, we literally heard nothing on, on his front or the Rockets' front. I mean, you heard from Sam Amick today that the Rockets intend on matching anything he gets. But, I mean, that's pretty yeah, much they are. it. Yeah, yeah, I have uh, I have some thoughts about the Clint Capella situation, which is that uh, I think it's basically fine, uh, but I think that this is it, well, it's as fine as it's going to be, and I think that this is merely the first of a lot of these kind of situations, which will play out over the next few years where there's very little cap space to go around. Uh, so the way that restricted free agency is kind of supposed to work is that. Uh, guys can go set their value by uh, going to other teams and seeing who's willing to pay them the most, and they take that offer. And then the uh, home team has to decide if it's worth it for them or not to to uh, to match that. In this situation, Clint Capella has like zero leverage because nobody has any cap space to sign him. Like, are the Bulls going to offer him a full max? I don't think so. <laughs> so uh, he, I think what's probably happened, if I had to guess is that uh, they would like to get paid more. Like, Clinton, his agent, would like a larger contract than the Rockets offered, and they're just having a hard time finding that offer. So, really, what's at stake here is that the Rockets have to... They kind of are in the driver's seat here, so their only real danger is in backing him into a uh, deal which is too obnoxious or insulting that either poisons the well or just, like, goads him into taking the uh, qualifying offer and bolting. So they're just going to have to give him whatever the lowest number is that will not piss him off in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, the, there have been some restricted free agents that have come back to the table, like Aaron Gordon, Dante Exum. Um, but, I mean, largely, if you look at the restricted free agent market, these guys are just kind of hanging out in the wind right now. I mean, they just can't find the, the deals that they were looking for. And this is kind of what we were talking about on the last podcast, where, man, agents are going to get fired. Agents are going to get fired, and this, it's going to be a bloodbath um, because these guys were expecting much more. They saw they saw the money that 2016 free agents were getting, and the market is unbelievably tight right now. Like Jabari Parker, Marcus Smart, 
Clint Capella, Zach Levine, Kyle Anderson. These are all quality players that just aren't, they just don't have a market right now because of the limited cap space around the league. And it's, it's unfortunate, but I mean, we might, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how it's going to play out. We have no idea. We have, there's, there's no indication one way or the other how the Rockets are going to play this with Clint Capella, but I mean, we could see some real stalemates across the league for like a month, like a Tristan Thompson type of situation with the with the Cavs or um, an Eric Bledsoe situation with the Suns a few years ago. Like one of those stalemates, like it's very much possible that we see not one but a couple of those this year. Um, yeah. Because like I mean, this could extend up until August. Like honestly, like these all of these GMs are playing hardball, all of them, because. They have no incentive to to rush into a contract that isn't favorable to them, and these teams can't find a, I mean not these teams, these agents can't find teams that are willing to give them offer sheets. So it's just a real, it's 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 looking really really ugly right now for restricted free agents. Um, as far as Clint Capella, I think he will be. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure he'll be back because. I mean, at worst, he signs the qualifying offer and he comes back to Rockets for a year. You don't want that if you're a Rockets fan. You don't want that because that uglies up the relationship between uh, Daryl Morey and Clint Capella, and like it's it's it can get ugly from there. Like we saw this with Demo, right? Like yeah. And speaking of Demo, uh, Clint Capella is being represented by uh, B.J. Armstrong's agency, which 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 was D which was Demo's agent. Uh, that that. That that particular detail makes me a little uncomfortable when I found out a couple of days ago. Like that makes me a little squeamish. Like B.J. Armstrong is a terrible agent. Like he's not good with he's not good with restrictive agency. He doesn't understand how it works. And like that's not me speaking. That's not me speculating. He said we have our rights. After like, did you remember? Do you remember when this happened? Like the demo situation was playing out and. B.J. Armstrong came out and said yeah. that they yeah, have I rights. I get that. I very well, yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, <laughs> I, I just don't think B.J. Armstrong is that competitive an agent. So it, it could be get, it could get ugly. It could get ugly if he gets involved. It's although it's it's not him that's specifically representing Clint Capella. So there's some optimism there. We'll see. It just makes it just makes me a little bit uncomfortable. Makes me a little bit uncomfortable. Um, and this tight market's going to cost someone several millions of dollars. Like. If this was 2016, Clint Capella would have been maxed out by now, but it's not, and the Rockets can afford to play hardball because of, because he's a restricted free agent, and there's not much money out there, and there's not much money out there by teams that need centers. More importantly, yeah, uh, I think that probably he will end up getting something in like the 18 range. I think that's uh, that's what will probably not piss him off, but also uh, be so much cheaper than the maximum. And I mean, for like the first year of the deal, optimally you get him for like a four year deal uh, on there and just don't have to worry about losing Clint Capella for quite some time. Uh, having him on a four year deal, having uh, Chris Paul on a four year deal and having Harden on, I think it's also four years remaining on his deal ca- counting next year. Right. Yeah. Uh, so having those guys all locked up for four years with also Mike D'Antoni locked up, that is a very good look, and that's exactly where you want to be. So I think you just give him whatever you have to to, to, to keep him happy uh, and get that fourth year there. Harden might be locked up for even more than that. I, I have to check, but, I mean, his his extension, like he, he's on an extension right. right now. 
But yeah, and the extension it, I think didn't kick in until this season, maybe. Yeah, it, it's pretty long. Like he's locked up to like age thirty three or something like that. Like he's gonna spend his prime years in Houston. That's that's done. Um, so let's go to answer questions. I didn't think we'd have time to get the questions, but we're twenty three minutes into the podcast and we've pretty much covered everything. Is there anything that you think we've missed? Uh, unfortunately, no. There hasn't really been a lot of stuff yet. Everything else from here on out is gonna be speculation. I would pres- I would suspect. Okay, so let's go ahead and get to questions. Um, from Twitter at snowflyzone underscore, do you think that they find a trade for Ryan Anderson? Um, yes, I think I I said this before the off season started. I think I think Ryan Anderson's not on the team next year. Uh, I think the Rockets finally get rid of that contract. I think they do it in a productive manner, like they did with Corey Brewer's contract, and they get a player back that can contribute. Um, I th- I think they're gonna do that, and I think they're gonna find. Um, they're, I think that's where they find their next starting small forward, honestly. like I, I think they find it through trade, and I think it happens yeah. through Ryan Anderson's contract. Yeah, I think that's probably about right. Uh, if they're going to pick up like like, a, like Nicola Batum or like a Kent Bazemore, like Bazemore's contract can just be traded straight up for Ryan yeah. Anderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, though I think you might actually have better traction perhaps with getting a third team involved to like Chicago to be paid off to eat Ryan Anderson's contract. So then they could be a salary dump for Atlanta or something. But yeah, is that that's the easiest one. That one works out the simplest. You just have to convince Atlanta to, to do it with by sweetening it up with with enough assets. Uh, and it, to, it make it makes sense for yeah. Atlanta, frankly, because I mean they're not they're not paying any much more money than they already are. They're just swapping players out, and they get a first-round draft pick, presumably, if the Rockets execute this trade, and, pro- and possibly more. We don't know what the Rockets are offering out there. And in a year, I've said, I've said this on past podcasts, Ryan Harrison's contract becomes expiring, and that becomes valuable. You can tr- you can use that in trades um, to get assets back because teams are going to be ca- they're going to be crunched for space in a year too. So yeah. I mean, that's that's. You know, the, that's the double side, d- double-edged sword you have with Ryan Anderson's contract. Yes, it's it's not valuable now, but in but next year it'll become extremely valuable. Um, yeah, and that ahead. contract is very similar to Bazemore's, and Bazemore has an option for next season. And they're actually, I was surprised to find that Kent Bazemore is only like a year and a half younger than Ryan Anderson. <laughs> so yeah, uh, so it's really kind of a wash in terms of like depending on what is Atlanta wants, but they're not they're not. They're not competing right now, so I think they probably prioritize getting assets over having one guy or the other. Yeah. At HOU Sports Dude, thoughts on the Rockets passing up on cheap options at like Jeff Green from the vet minimum and weighing this out. Um Forrest talked about this earlier. Like I think I think they uh, first of all, I, I'm not a big Jeff Green guy, uh, so <laughs> like I, I don't think that's because he's bad. Yeah, he, he's he's not that great, and I I think I think the Rockets are again they're playing the long game, and I don't think like guys that are gonna, they're going to be there for vet minimums are going to be there later, right? So it doesn't really matter when you choose to use that, and like I think I think they're gonna I think they're gonna find pretty nice guys for the vet minimum. The way this market's looking, like vet minimums are like being hoarded like candy right now so i i think i think they're gonna find pretty quality guys for the vet minimum just give it time they'll find somebody yep there are, there are guys out there uh and they're going to be increasingly desperate to actually get on a team that's worth that worth being on yeah and we don't know maybe in Mute signs for that vet minimum we have no idea I, I doubt it but it's a possibility um 
what is a realistic MLE option for as of right now? Uh, yeah, I think it's Luke. Uh, you suggested it, and I, I think it's totally going to be Luke because, I mean, he's a really, really good defender, and wing defenders are really valuable on the market right now. And I think, I mean, he, you're going to have to pay something to keep him, I, I think. I'm not, we have no idea what his market is, but I, I think that you're going to have to pay something to pay Luke and Balamute because other teams just might swipe him up for the full mid level exception. And what you're pretty much giving him is the opportunity to win. Plus the taxpayer mid-level exception, so I think I think that's what the Rockets are end up doing with their mid-level exception. I think they're going to sign Luke. Um, I think they're also going to sign some of their rookie guys with their mid-level exception. Like like some some of their rookie guys still aren't signed yet. Uh, yeah, they can give them little pieces of it. Yeah, so I, I think it's going to be filtered out through rookie guys and Luke and Bamute. Uh That's probably about right. The, the the market is not super exciting right now, uh, least of all for the kind of players they need, and they need players exactly like Luke and Bamute. Yeah. Um, who do you guys think they will end up with? Also, should we have tried harder to get Boogie? So I'll answer the latter first. I don't think the Rockets should have tried <laughs> hard to get Boogie first. Like I, I think like Boogie is that's a real risk there. Like if and if the Rockets are the Rockets are a team that actually needs to use their their taxpayer level exception on someone productive. The Warriors are a team that didn't like they. They're perfectly fine roster wise if they didn't even use their taxpayer level exception, and that's a gamble that they can take. That's not a gamble the Rockets can take. And the Rockets have Clint Capella coming back, and he's going to take the lion's share of the minutes away from Boogie. And I'm sure that's not something that will make Boogie particularly happy. It's a locker room hazard. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch Boogie. Especially coming off that torn Achilles, I would not have touched Boogie at all. Yeah, and the reports about the Rockets were not interested for exactly those reasons. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't really know where he fits on the team. Uh, I don't think he would want to play in the way the team plays. Uh, he probably wouldn't enjoy being on the team. It's just not a good fit. I mean, for all the, for all the, the crying about Boogie Cousins. Uh, the despair about that is more of like what it signifies and what will actually be assured to happen. Like it definitely feels like the rich get richer, but a lot of teams are like, no, we're not particularly interested in this because he doesn't really fit on a lot of teams. Uh, the Rockets in particular, they already have a, a center. They have an incredibly good center uh, who we'll see if, you know, how cousins is after he comes back from his injury and how good like he is as a player at that point, Capella might just be better than cousins. Uh, in which case you you definitely were you know are correct not to pick up cousins so we don't know uh, the Warriors were the perfect situation for him because they lost JaVale McGee and with that probably their best center which is just real weird um, but they 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 have an opening at the center position uh, he can definitely play that once he recovers and they don't need him until then so he can just uh, rehab as much as he likes there's no pressure there for either side. Uh, and it's really just like a, a year where he can showcase whatever he can showcase. So uh, I don't think other teams should have picked him up except maybe the Lakers. Uh, and I don't know why they didn't. They think they're going to win now, I guess. Yeah, I'm going to spend like a two minutes talking about Boogie's Boogie going to the Warriors real quick before we get to the second part of Wakar's question. Um, like, it, it, it definitely sparked a visceral hatred reaction once it initially happened like a, a disc like it just it just made you upset that this was possible right 
at first when you looked at yep. looked at it, but when you when you thought about it, when you when you factor in that he's coming off the torn Achilles, and really nobody other than Dominique Wilkins came off of Achilles good looking good. I mean, I guess you can say Rudy Gay recently came off looking okay, but I mean, guys who get that injury, especially big guys like him. I mean, if you remember Elton, if you remember Elton Brand came off that injury, it just pretty much ended his career. I mean, he was out. He was a 2010 guy before. And after the injury, just I mean, it just became a, a significantly worse player. So I mean, big guys with that injury, not a great history. So there's that, and there's the fact that he's not going to play till like February. So I mean, you're pretty much only paying for like a four month rental, which is what George called it in our in our D, group DM. And I mean, I don't think the Rockets can afford to use their their taxpayer MLE on on someone who's only going to be there for four months. Like, I think they need a significant rotation player for that taxpayer MLE. Um, and also, I think I think the the Warriors were a team that were the only team out there that could afford to make this risk. Like I I, I said this earlier, I I just think you know he the Warriors obviously have a need at center with. Zaza Pachulia and Jordan Bell taking up the majority of the minutes, uh, and I guess you can say Kevon Looney now that he's back with them. But it just it just makes more sense for that particular team who needs offensive production when Steph and KD hit the bench than a team like the Rockets who stagger every everyone and there's a consistent offensive you know threat on the floor at all times. Like I think I think these two teams are truly different in that. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, we have no idea how it's going to work out the Warriors. I, I don't think the visceral reaction was warranted. Like, I think, you know, e- even myself, like, I think, looking back at some of the stuff I tweeted, like, I'd, I regret it because when you really think about it, it's really, I mean, it's a, it's a big risk for the Warriors. Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's a risk. I'm not going to say a big risk for the Warriors. If, if, if this doesn't work out for the Warriors, they're still a title favorite. So I, I don't want to say it's a big risk for them, but it's, it's, a, it's a gamble. Uh, I don't regret nothing. I think that it's it's uh, signifies a lot of obnoxious Warriors exceptionalism, and it has a it has a chance that it will make things worse, but it has also a chance that it's just going to help them continue to uh, pulp the rest of the league. So we don't uh, know. We have no idea. I think I think it's worth being annoyed about. <laughs> it's not the thing that is that is really supposed to be happening. I guess, sure. uh, but whatever. We'll see what happens. It's. It, it is as it, it is. It's a, it's it's a bit annoying, but we have no idea what Boogie is, and I, I think that's worth that's worth considering that we have no idea how Boogie's going to look post Achilles. Um, and and it's and twenty nine other GMs uh, thought that that was too big a risk to even try, right? Giving their full MLE to. So I think I think it's worth noting that a lot of GMs passed on him. A lot of smart GMs passed on him. So if these people who do this for a living don't think Boogie is worth taking a gamble on, I mean it's it's likely that that injury is just enough to scare. I mean it's it's enough to temper the visceral reactions. I would say. Yep. All right. It's fair. So so Br- at Brit Rob. Okay, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Brit, um, do you think Kevin Love is a good option if Cleveland makes him available? Um, I haven't really thought about this actually. I, I'm not sure. 
The, yeah, the, uh, depends on what they want for him because the Rockets don't really have a lot of assets, so they'd have to be willing to take back kind of a a, a, a little bit of a pile of farts there. Well, that and I'm not sure if you can play Kevin Love against the Warriors significantly. I think the Rockets like the the forwards they play. I think they like having PJ Tucker and Luke and Bamute yeah. and and whoever they pick up on the market, uh, whoever else they picked up on the market for a small forward. Like I, I think they like that look better than what Kevin Love could realistically provide for them. That being said, Kevin Love is very good. I think he's very underrated at this point. Like um, I think he's a one of the best power forwards in the NBA, and that and I think Maury is someone who starves for star talent, and I and rightfully so, star talents dictate everything. So I think I think it's it's worth at least a phone call, right? I'm not sure if, if the if Cleveland will be particularly receptive to an offer the Rockets could make, but it's worth the phone call. Yeah, I mean he's definitely an upgrade over Ryan Anderson in a big way. He, like he's better than Ryan Anderson every conceivable fashion right he's really just a better version of him if it was just Um, ryan anderson in a first round pick yeah you do it no no questions asked done deal uh that's that's no no brainer yeah the only question is is that you're not going to be able to get him for that they gonna need more than that and uh how playable is he because there's only one thing that matters right now for the Houston Rockets is getting players who they can play against the Warriors, especially players who can play in crunch time. And that means guys who can defend on the level they need and defend across multiple positions and also be able to knock down threes and if possible, do a little bit of other stuff too. Uh, I don't know if Ryan Anderson does that. So we are, or not Ryan Anderson, sorry. Um, if Kevin, Love. Kevin Love is that. Uh, he's definitely been played against the Warriors previously, uh, including a, times. a, a, a time times. when yeah, including a time when uh, his team won the championship above them. Yeah, but, but I would I would say it's generally difficult to have him on out on the floor, especially when you're playing a switching defense like the Rockets are doing. Um, it's hard to have him out on an island with Steph. Um, I mean, we saw that with Ryan Anderson, right? It's just, it's just really, really difficult to have slow-moving bigs like they're out there defending Steph on an island. It's, you know, Kevin Love's gotten better on that end of the floor, I would say. But I mean, generally, it's just, you know, I don't know. I, I think they like having guys like Chris Paul, James Harden, Eric Gordon, uh, PJ Tucker, Luke and Bamute. I like, I think they like that those type of lineups out there rather than any lineup that can particularly form around Kevin Love. But I don't know. I think it's worth, it's worth the phone call. I'm not sure if it goes any further than that. Um, let's see. we have any more? Is that it? Uh, no. I mean, we have a question from our, our old friend. Uh, let's see. Let me look at it. Yeah, we got that one, that one, that one. We have a question from Ben. <laughs> at Ben Dubose, what are your thoughts on Carmel Anthony? Thanks, and I'll, I'll hang up and listen. Carmel Anthony is not worth it. Like, he is just... Like and Ben Ben no Ben knows how I feel about Carmel Anthony. He's just he's just jabbing <laughs> me. Like uh, Carmel Anthony is, I, I I was I've been firmly against him for like a year and a half now. I just even at the vet minimum, the guy clearly doesn't understand. He he's doesn't understand his role at all. Like he just I mean, if you remember the press conference after the the Warriors uh, were eliminated from the playoffs, like he, I think a reporter asked him, "Would you be comfortable with a bench role moving forward?" And he completely like dismissed it like he, he didn't even do it in like a laughing manner he like was just appalled at the idea that anyone would suggest that and i'm just like 
for someone to be so tone deaf and to not be self-aware enough to understand where he is in his basketball life cycle and, you know, to not particularly fit well on a team that only asked you to shoot corner three-pointers, I, I just, I, I don't know how he would fare in the Rockets. Like, And the Rockets have had interest in him for, like, years now. Like, we're dating back to, like, 2011. They've had interest in Carmel Anthony, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if they try to get him on a vet minimum when if the Thunder stretch wave him, right, which is what a lot of people expect because it would save them, like, $96 million in luxury tax dollars or something ridiculous like that. So, I, I guess, like, I could totally see the Rockets doing it. I don't. I hope they don't. I'm just not a fan. I've never been. A, I've I've never been a fan of Carmel Anthony since he left Denver. Like I just, I'm not the biggest fan of Carmel Anthony in general. So I I just, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I I know a lot of people are clamoring for Carmel Anthony on a minimum. I just he just doesn't understand the role, man. He just doesn't. Uh, does. Does he want to come back and play for Mike D'Antoni again? I I have no idea. I have no idea. And and and, and what's I'm not sure if he wants to come back and play for Billy Donovan again. Like I, like they didn't even invite him to this party that that Russell Westbrook threw at like his house. Remember that summer house hype party or whatever? Yeah. That they pretty much used as a as a platform to to announce the Paul George signing, like the, they didn't even, I, there were no pictures of Carmelo Anthony there. There were no reports of him there. I, I don't think he was there at all. Like if he's not fitting in with that team, I I, I don't know how he could possibly fit in with this team. I don't know. Maybe it's uh, just me. My only question with Melo is the same question I asked with every player: Can you play him against the Warriors? I don't. Can think he so. be part of that defensive system? Uh. I don't know that he can. He looked pretty rough this last season. Yeah. Like I've generally been been down with picking up Mello because I think that uniquely Houston could tell him play how we want or you don't play. But I just don't know if he has the tools that they need. And in, I get that this is like an unusually high bar, right? Because this is this is the reality of the situation. The Rockets only can use players that they can play against the Warriors. That's not most teams. Other teams can use other guys. Like Ryan Anderson does not look like he's usable against the Warriors, but he is a decent player. He can be very helpful to a lot of other teams. He's going to be better than what a lot of other teams have. A lot of players will be. Melo would be a huge use to most teams, but there's a different standard when you're trying to win a championship right now. And I know that every team is trying to win a championship, but not every team is trying to win a championship in this degree, right? The Rockets are the other contender. There's basically two contenders and they're the other one. And then I guess we'll see what the Celtics and the Sixers are at this year. In any case, there's a very few teams who need a, a different standard of player, not necessarily higher per se, just that they're gearing up to beat one particular team. So they're not just looking for guys who are good. They're not just looking for general improvements. They don't care if they win more regular season games. That is completely immaterial. They don't care if it makes it easier to beat the other teams in the West because as it stands, even right now, even if they don't sign anybody else, all they do is retain the guys they have and move into the next season, just being the Rockets minus Ariza plus uh, plus Michael Carter Williams, uh, they're still going to beat everyone in the playoffs except for the Warriors. They don't care about all that. 
they only have to worry about it. So even though most teams might take Carmelo Anthony, I think the Rockets have to think about it because if he cannot play, if he can't get out there and provide switching defense, which he can't, he can't. He's a bad defender. He's he's slow and old. Uh, that he's not useful to them, which is pretty rough to say. But that's where it is. That's the fight they're fighting. They're not they're not trying to be good. They're trying to beat one particular team. Yeah, and that's why I answered the Kevin Love question as like as I did like I, like that's like in any other scenario you, you absolutely call the phone you pick up the phone call call Cleveland for Kevin Love that that's that's a no brainer if if you weren't going up against this Goliath in the Warriors right that forced you to play a particular style to play a particular defense and to you know to have mobile defenders on the floor at all times if it was anybody else. I I would absolutely advise that they try to go after Kevin Love. Like Utah, Kevin Love would make so much sense on Utah, right? A team that doesn't really have aspirations at a championship right now. They can afford to wait and, you know, develop Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. And, you know, like they can afford to wait a little bit and, you know, sprinkle some vet, some veterans in there. That Kevin Love makes perfect sense on a team like the Jazz, right? Team like the Rockets? I don't know. I don't think so. Same thing with Carmel Anthony. Like I just, well, uh, to and probably to a, to a degree worse than Carmel Anthony, right? Like Kevin Love, we know is a significantly positive positive offensive player. Like when he's on the floor, the Cavs were like a like one ten or something offensive rating, like something ridiculous. Like he provides floor spacing. He he provides really good post touches. He provides. Great passing on the open court. Like I think Kevin Love is a really good player, but I'm not sure if you can say the same thing about Carmelo Anthony. And that's why I would say no. <laughs> like that. That's why I say he is not a good option for the Rockets on the vet minimum. There you have it, Carmelo Anthony. Not a good enough defender. Not a very good player. Um, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Follow me on Twitter at Do Nots. Oh no! Follow me on Twitter at Red Nation Oops. Follow Definitely follow for- both us on Twitter at Do Nots. Yeah, follow Forrest on Twitter at Do Nots. And yeah, guys, good night.